There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, the do I. are tuned into the power cord hour and as always i'm your host anthony merchant here with you with another episode of the show i'm stoked today to be talking to joey of the band near beer who just released their debut record it is out now everywhere on double helix records we're going to talk new music learn about near beer a bunch of good stuff with uh with joey right here joey man how are you I am good. I'm a little tired. I'm a little hoarse. We just got done with a little four show mini tour and uh, (laughs) apparently out of shape uh, vocally, but whatever. It's punk rock. Um, Wow. So, so you're, you're like hitting the ground running. So I was going to say, I mean, as, as we're talking right now, this will be out a little later. We're like the record, the record came out Friday, if I'm not mistaken. Right. It's been out like three days. Yeah, it's been on three days. I'm, I'm now uh, in San Diego. We had a show in San Diego last night, and my parents live in San Diego, so I'm crashing at my parents' place for the night. And I'm going to no, go back back to L.A. Was was there a, a definitive like record release show, or is it is it all just kind of a record release show? Yeah, I mean, yeah, like um, the home. So I live in New York now, but my uh, home base for the band has been L.A., and so the L.A. show was on fr- uh, Saturday, rather. Um, and that felt like, oh, here's our record release show. This is this is the one. And it was it was really cool. It was like so many of our friends. Um, I don't know. That one to me felt like the most definitive record release show. Uh, <laughs> and people bought the record. So therefore, it was a record release show. Nice. Uh, it was cool, though. Did you, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you're playing a good chunk of the record. These shows, have you been able to play a good chunk of the record live so far? Yeah, I, I feel like every one, every show we kind of mix it up. There was one show where we were just like, "Yeah, let's just do. We're gonna play the record front to end. Nice. One, two, three, four. Here we go." Uh, and then the last couple, or the one in LA was cool because we had um, everybody who played on the record. We had them come up and like perform a song or two with us. Nice. Um, <laughs> at some point, we had like nine people on stage and like five guitars, and it was like it was ridiculous, but it was. Uh, as a person who loves giant guitar sounds, <laughs> I was like, this is the best. Everybody's playing the same exact riff. And it just, it's so ridiculous and indulgent. But it, that also felt very much like that was a feature of the LA show. But that one, we therefore we couldn't do the record front to end because we wanted to coordinate like, oh, this dude plays on these two songs and Adeline sings on these two songs. So it was a lot of uh, sorting out the set list to you know accommodate that. But super fun that's pretty rad i mean because also right you're the only guitarist in the band you guys are a trio if i'm not mistaken so that's complicated because oh. uh, in all of the like live photos and stuff it it you know the three main dudes in the band are like the three core guys and we have other guitar players that have like kind of come in and come out and so we're kind of in between like who our permanent guitar player is and the three me jeremy and brent are the three like main dudes that were like on all of the record and we lost a guitar player while we were like recording it and so (laughs) it's just this like weird like uh yeah like normally you'll never see us play live as a trio you'll always see us have at least four people um and actually on this tour we have five people we have somebody who's playing 12 string the whole time oh Uh, wow but yeah yeah on on the (laughs) press photos and stuff it's like 
oh, cool, you guys are like a trio, like Jawbreaker or something. And it's like, yeah, but there's always going to be an extra guitar player. I, you're I in, it sounds like you're in transitional period. I mean, it, it sounds like, I mean, if in the middle of recording you lose a guitarist, you're doing I what mean, you it, like, it, it was interesting because at the recording, it was like a dude who was my friend. He was um, uh, a guy who produced like my old band's records, but he's like a dad and he's very like, yeah, dudes. I love the band, but like, I can't like go on the road with you guys. So I, like, you know, use me when you need me and don't use me when you don't need me. And so I was like, all right, but I really like the way you play these guitar solos. So just, can you do it on the record? Uh, and yeah, we just haven't found the person that is like, oh, here's our guy. Here's this, this guy's going to be the next, you know, full-time guitar player. Um, it's We're early. in that process. Yeah, yeah. I guess this is like, hey, if you're uh, in Los Angeles or New York and you want to play guitar in a rock band, give me a call. <laughs> yeah. there, you, there you go. I mean, after you listen to this record, everyone's going to want to play. Everyone's going to want to play in your band, I think. Do you, How, like, do you like big, dumb riffs and uh, <laughs> and rap pedals? Cool. Talk to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's some good solos on that record though too i gotta i gotta say to his, to his credit and there's one sticking out in my head and i wish I, I i've listened to the record twice i can't for the life of me i'm not gonna be able to remember the name but there's one that sticks out i go wow that's a good like that's a good solo but awesome. I, I i wish i i wish i remembered more but awesome. um it, it was either it's either him me or we have another guitar player that popped into so it, uh it, it all's <laughs> a lot of guitar guitar wankery on that and some is drunker than others but um it was there, all fun <laughs> all i can say i mean i, I know before uh, we started me and you were having our little replacements talk and it reminded me of like a solo not a replacement solo but a paul westerberg like 90s era there i i don't know if that helps at all but that's what i hear what i hear and i'm like Shit, I think that person likes Paul Westerberg's solo catalog. Okay, okay. It, it might be on the whiskey the song. Like middle yeah, of the record, no. That's about all. Yeah, yeah. I know we're playing like identify the song by little details, but good stuff on there. There is uh the riffs on this thing are good. They're they're Sweet. excellent. But Sweet. uh yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm sure I'm sure everyone's asking you this, but I mean, how's it feel now to get the because uh, I mean, we're not just talking about a new record. We're talking about your debut record. You know, I mean, a pretty important one for a band. How's it how's it feel to finally have this out in the world? Oh, man, it feels so good. <laughs> uh, it, it, we've been sitting on it for so long. Like, I, I, honestly, we started recording it three years ago um, and we just like, you know, we had day jobs and we have other life things and uh the guy who was recording it also ha has like a studio and he was giving us like a very like bro deal on it which also meant that if anybody else booked the studio we got kind of like bumped <laughs> and so it was like a thing that was like all right whenever you guys can come in and do it do it and then uh so it was like very very leisurely <laughs> uh doing this record um and then we've had it for a while and like sat on it because we were like, well, we played, we're a live band and we don't want to put out a record unless we can play live. But the pandemic was like kind of messing that up. Yeah. Um, and so now that we can finally like get back out there and play and put this thing out, it just feels so good. Um, and and it's just like a long time coming. That is, I mean, how long, uh, I mean, you've been working on it that long. How long has Near Beer been a band? I mean, when did, when did you guys form? Um, I think, uh, I had to look this up because I, I I was asked this a question and I was like oh, I don't know like 2015 but then I realized no no, no it was way later it was 20 or 2019 was like uh, our first show um, I wait I believe 2019 was our first show yeah 2019 was our first show 
Um, and so we only like really played for like a year before the pandemic kind of messed that up. <laughs> You're in a, I mean, there's, I feel like lately I've interviewed a good chunk of bands where like, yeah, they formed like 2018, 2019. And like, it's weird because they've been around for like four years or so. But it's like, you know, I mean, there's those few years in between where it's like, including if you are a touring band, you're trying to do a lot. It's like, you know, those those are like those quiet years. You know, it's kind of interesting because it's like, yeah, you're still a new band, but you feel so much newer. Like four years isn't super long, but still in the grand scheme of things, when I'm talking about a debut record, it's almost like, damn, OK, you've been around for a minute, you know. Yeah, yeah. It, it is like a confusing, like cognitive dissonance between like, oh, yeah, we're, we're totally a new band but we've been in this weird incubation uh, <laughs> period, like forced incubation period because of the pandemic, <laughs> um, which I, I don't know, I, I guess it like worked out okay for us because it, it let us um, kind of tinker and mess around in the studio and try stuff and like not be precious about stuff. And also I have to say like pandemics, dark times and uh, getting to like, you know, I think we we just decided like once or twice a week, we would just, get together uh as a as a band and just drink a 12 pack of beers and have band practice and like that that was <laughs> that was the most joyful point of the you know lockdown period to just jam with your buddies um and so yeah i think that there's something about the specific era of like music creation that like uh really made me appreciate what music like music as a therapeutic thing <laughs> Um, it's nice to have something like that because I mean then the other thing too is when you come out of it on the other end you have a record like you know I mean if you have to go through something as awful as a pandemic at least like you know you can go I, I have a good record out of it you know like like I don't, I sure. don't know it's the one silver lining you know what I mean of all the dark things like you do come out with so you know you have a nice piece of art at the you know at the end of it you know totally yeah and we're we're stuffed to to have that so cool but has the uh, has the band you know since forming? Were you kind of just writing songs from the get go? I mean, was it was it basically just hit the ground running with this? Um, that's interesting. So uh, I was thinking about this because there's ten songs on the record, and I would say about um, almost half of them. So I was in an old band or another band like for years, and then like about um, now about ten years ago, we officially broke up but there's a batch of songs that like we never like recorded with the old band that like now I have Frankensteined into near beer songs. And there was a, a band that I was in in the middle between that band and near beer that also several of these songs are Frankenstein. So a lot of the songs, like the DNA of them dates back 10 years, seven years, five years, like, oh, um, wow. and so, yeah, it's, it's weird. Cause it's not like, Oh, near beer started in, and like where I'm writing songs for near beer, it was like, these are songs that all had bits and pieces in other bands. And I mean, I also made peace with the fact that like, I only know how to write like three kinds of songs that are like <laughs> this kind of like a punk song, this kind of like a, you know, replacements ripoff song, <laughs> um, wh whatever it is. Like I, 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 you know, I'm not like a, uh, schooled versed, well-versed songwriter. Um, but I, I write what I write, whatever. You know uh, probably. You know what you can yeah. write. Yeah, and it's just, it was it's the same stuff that I was writing in my old bands and stuff. So it's easy to translate anything that I had written from previous bands into near beer. Um, but it's just you know filtered through different musicians, and they each bring something different. Our drummers like 
our drummer is great and he hears things that I don't hear and he like, you know, makes everything better. Our bass player makes it all better. It's, so it's, uh, it's cool to have songs that have been around in my brain for 10 years, sometimes even longer. And now all of a sudden like, oh, cool. They're out and they're filtered through these new musicians and uh, they have a whole different life. That's cool. Had you, had you like throughout those years, like, I mean, the, you know, those old ideas and stuff like that, had you been kind of kicking around thinking about them the whole time? Or are they things that you kind of rediscovered later on going like, Oh my God, like I forgot I wrote this kind of deal. Uh, that's a great question. It was interesting. Cause I, after my, uh, the old band was called the Henry Clay people and we toured and we kind of had like a run and I got to the end of it and I was like, you know what? I'm done with, I'm done with being in a band. I'm going to go back to grad school. And so I literally like, went back to school and I like hung up my guitar and I did not bring a guitar with me to grad school. Um, and then <laughs> a couple months into it and I, I moved across the country. Like I moved from LA to the other side of the country and just was like, I'm done with music. I need to just like step away from music. Maybe two or three months into the grad school, I like called my girlfriend at the time. who's now my wife. Or who's now my wife. Uh, and I was like, can you bring my guitar uh, next time you come out here? I, I am desperately missing my guitar. And over the course of the next few months, I like made peace with like, oh man, I uh, no matter what I'm doing, even if I'm in grad school or whatever I'm doing, I still need to keep music in my life. Um, and so from then on, it was just like, there were always songs that I was like writing. Uh, and so, yeah, there was some rediscovery of like little nuggets that I had had for my old band, uh, but we never really recorded any of those old songs. And so it, they're just, honestly, it's mostly just riffs that I play when I'm like wandering around my apartment. Oh, okay. And I play the same riffs over and over and I'm like, this has got to be a song, right? Um, and then eventually, you know, I find some kind of structure to it and it becomes a song. So it's interesting because like, I know that we talked about like, guitar riffs and stuff but a lot of the songs start off as like a the guitar thing that i have in my head that i need to be like i need to turn this into a song i, I you know that's always interesting to me it's funny like you said like i mean how like you went all of like two months or three months you know without playing guitar because it's always i don't know to me like and i always feel like i have a million questions for people who can just like put i mean obviously you picked it back up but there's people you talk to where it's like yeah, I put down the guitar like after the band. I didn't touch it again for like twelve years, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. For me personally, like in there nowhere, like no, you didn't touch it all. It's like some people just never, never get back to. It. I mean, I guess did you just think during that? Was there a point? I guess in that two months or leading up, you really thought you wouldn't play at all, or were you just taking more of a break? Um, I mean, I think in my heart of hearts, I knew it was just like a a break um it's funny because i was in a band with my brother and he kind of did the same thing and hung up his the guitar and he didn't go back to it really or he didn't like miss it nearly as much um and he's kind of made peace with like yeah i don't know if i need it and i think i always kind of knew like you know who am i kidding of course i'm gonna pick up the guitar and play because i just can't not play the guitar it's so much fun it's like a uh almost like a tick <laughs> um that i just have to do um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I don't know. That always, that always interests me. I'm just like, people are like, you never even like picked it up, just played power chords. Like, just not, like, you didn't have to like keep being a virtuoso, but like, you never, you never had the feeling. Like, I don't know. That, that just blows my mind. 
But, I, I uh, wonder if it's like I wonder if they just like never had the joy from it to begin with. Like I kind of feel like if you had the joy when you did it to begin with, like you can't just yeah. walk away from that. Um, I, all I can say is I guess some of the people I've talked to at it, I mean, at some point made music their profession. Maybe it does truly burn you out to a point where you can never go back to it. But like, yeah, that always like you're saying, like, I don't know that that primitive love, like you have to be doing the thing that you were doing then. You just get back to your, I don't know, your roots. I don't know. That stuff blows my mind. Obviously, though, you're in the same camp as me because you didn't last very long. You know, you had to play music again. But uh, yeah, that that just always, uh, it blows my mind. But I, uh, I think I think there's something about having that emotional distance from the thing where you like did hang it up for a bit. Like nothing really makes you appreciate like what you love about the thing until you take a step away from it and so yeah i mean uh, whatever it was, if, it, if it was two three months of just not playing guitar like i missed my guitar and <laughs> i learned to be like no i unapologetically love doing this and i have to make peace with this and i kind of feel the same thing about the band like at some point it was a conscious decision like i haven't been in a band for a while i am missing that out of in my life and i need to make it happen and so once the band actually happened and we you know uh, assembled or put it together it just felt like oh there's like an intentionality here that like uh you absolutely need and appreciate and it and in a way that like i don't think i had previously appreciated until i like you know created some distance <laughs> you needed it you needed it yeah. i guess in the, grand, in the grand scheme of things you were you were like talking about how like you know using using some like older ideas and stuff with the new band and also you knowing how you write like you yourself just you know you know you as a songwriter and everything. Do you feel like the band like the sound was pretty defined like you knew what that sound should be when you started like right away? I mean I know you said you're using like so you know because you already had ideas so you're not going in totally with nothing. I mean did you kind of know from the get go how you wanted the band to sound how you want it to be and everything? Or did that kind of develop more as you guys were like, you were playing with the other guys and writing and all of that? Um, yeah, I think I knew, again, like my favorite bands and my favorite records are like, it's always going to be the replacements. It's always going to be Pavement. It's always going to be, you know, Tom Petty and Teenage Fan Club. And like, it's like... The good Springsteen. Shit. Yeah. It's, it's just like, I have like a, like a Mount Rushmore, like Holy grail rock and roll, you know, canon in my head. Uh, and like anything that I write, is just going to be like, how do I, how do I like get to like approximate like what my heroes do and do like <laughs> kind of a crappy version of that. Uh, that's, that feels like my version of, you know, trying to, uh aspirationally reach for <laughs> reach for that mountain rushmore um and so yeah like i you know i i guess that's to say that like the songs are always going to be these kinds of songs and like my favorite bands have not really changed that much in the last <laughs> 20 years uh you know i hope that i hope there's some growth there i don't want to be like uh you know i don't want to calcify here but <laughs> I do think that like, you know, I keep going back to my favorites and I might as well, if you're going to uh, rip off songs, you might as well like pull from your favorites. Uh, and rip off the best. If you're going to rip off someone, I mean, Paul Westerberg writes a pretty damn good song. It's not bad. Yeah. Like, like, you know what I mean? Like there's worse people you could try to like rip from. Yeah. And I, I, I always consider it like a deep homage to like my favorite bands. And it's also what, you know, uh, everything's filtered through, 
your talent, your abilities, your inabilities. Like I can't hit notes that some of them can hit. And like, I am not a good guitar player, like some of them, but like somewhere in the, like, you know, somewhere in the uh, spaces in between is where I think some of the magic happens. And I think like, uh, I've said this before in other like interviews and stuff, but like my favorite bands ever are always the ones that you feel like their ambition and their aspiration uh, exists beyond their like ability. <laughs> so whether it's, you know, the clash doing London calling, I mean, like London calling is a bananas record. Uh, and it's so ambitious and like splatter paint of like, yeah, I like this kind of song. And I like, I like this kind of song and I like this kind of idea. And they just like go for it all. And they don't play it particularly like perfectly at all, but it's the distance between their like passion and aspiration. And then they're like, their chops uh, or, or the lack of their chops that makes it so awesome. And I think the replacements are the same. I think pavements the same. I think guided by voices, like all these, my favorite bands are just like, they're not virtuosos. They're like normal humans scratching at the like infinite of the perfect like rock moment. And I don't know. I, I feel like I, I could get really like romantic about this, but it's like I like this. I get exactly what you're saying. I like I like exactly like what you're talking about. I think you're right too. Like a lot of these, a lot of these managed talking about like I'm like Bob Stinson's probably my all-time favorite guitar player, but it's like a lot of times what he does makes zero set. Like if you're looking at it from a technical standpoint or theory, or you're trying to like really like this, it makes a lot, it makes not a lot of sense sometimes doesn't matter when he does it it's that feel it's just the feeling it's what he's like it's authentic it's all him and it's real and i mean maybe that's the thing maybe he's trying to solo like like someone who might be more traditionally a guitar virtuoso that's how it comes out the way bob does it is how it comes out but bob's like i rather it come out like bob than than the virtuoso guy it comes out better at the end because you do have to make your own you're right like you do kind of have to make your own path you're 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 kind of even if you're going for one thing, it's coming out another way. Like, like even, even the bands are talking about, like when the replacements are writing your first record or the clash writing your first record or whatever, I'm sure there's those influences of the things they're going for. And then it comes out through their filter. Like now we look at it where we go. Oh my God, these are classics. These are like, yeah. you know, they're foundations for genres and stuff. Whereas then, I mean, they're just also 20 somethings kind of pulling like out of their ass influence and how this should sound, you know? And it's like, now we look at it like, oh, that makes total sense. It would come out like that, where it's like, I'm sure they weren't writing like sorry mon going, oh yeah, people are like this is gonna be revered in years and people are gonna love this. I'm sure there was none of that when they were yeah. going for it, you know? Like that I, insider I, perspective, I don't think any of them look at it the way the outsiders later look at it. Like, I don't think Paul Westberg sits there and thinks he himself is a god. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't see himself just patting himself on the back all the time like other people would. You know what I mean? They don't look at it the way that we look at it. Yeah, totally, totally, and like, yeah, exactly what you said. It's the the filtering of the the song through the players, and then like the players, uh, like being so additive to the song. I, I get in this debate too with some <laughs> some of my music friends, where like I like give me a band any day over a solo uh, songwriter. I mean, like I, I have my solo songwriters who I like love. Like I'll take Elliot Smith. And I, you know, obviously, I love any Elliot Smith song, um, but a band to me is like so great because it is like multiple personalities, and each personality is a particular filter. 
And I mean, like uh, watching the Beatles documentary, the Get Back one, like it's just such a great example. Like it is these four personalities together, disagreeing, having some resentment, having some problems, having some love for each other. But like, that's what makes, it's the combination of these factors that creates these filters that makes the music, the, the Beatles. When you have a bunch of like session guys who are like, their chops are so good and they come in and they're like studio guys and they went to music school and yada, yada, yada. Cool. I mean, whatever. I like proficient stuff too, but like, I also feel like they're hired guns and their filter. It's like, that's how the song is supposed to sound as opposed to like, I want to hear the version of the song where it's like, it's not, it, it sounds like this because we, this is as best as we can do. <laughs> like, not like, Oh, the song is supposed to be like the platonic ideal. If this song is this, like, I kind of don't care about the platonic ideal of the song. I want to hear about like the version that only these four idiots can do, <laughs> you know? You bring up, uh, you're bringing up like a great point there because there's this, I think what happens too is there's amazing singer song, right? Like, you know, they're, they're just amazing, but that that ego or whatever I think gets in their head where they can do this beyond the band. I was writing the songs, I'm the singer, whatever I go do next is going to be the same thing. Or you'll see a band where it's like, you do lose those core members and the constant is only the singer and maybe they will get like the hired guns. They'll just get live hired guns. It really isn't a band anymore. And it's like, as much as you go, well, I wrote the songs, I did this and that. Why does it feel different when those core members are gone? You know what I mean? Like, why is it this thing where like, like you have to let that ego go because sure you wrote those songs, but we keep talking about this filter. There was something that drummer did. There was something that bassist did. There was something your lead guitarist did that you yourself, when you were writing it, it wasn't there. I'm sorry. Like it wasn't, you know, like, like they're really like, you seem to get it. Like you, you have that. I think some singers, songwriters, maybe in bands don't get that dynamic where they go, no, I need these other people. Like, sure. Maybe, maybe I wrote the chords and lyrics and stuff, but like, they're going to do something to this. Like they're going to put that touch on it because it's not all just the person. If it was, everyone could leave their band and be just as big solo. A lot of times it doesn't happen. A lot of times it implodes. And also that goes for everybody. There's a lot of people who leave bands and go, well, my name's going to mean everything after this. Your name means nothing when it's not connected to that band a lot of times. Like you, yeah, everyone together, that team effort like you're talking about, it's like, I will take the band over that singer songwriter who was also probably in a prominent band before that is the reason everyone's there yeah 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 and I, I, totally and like what i love is that some of the like magic is like oh cool so and so and whatever band was a shitty bass player but like that's what makes it great um and or the drummer is like always speeding up or slowing down but i don't care that's part of what makes this like there's something that is the charm of like humanity like like or, or like human flaws that i think that like studio musicians are uh all about you know getting getting it right or whatever i, I i'm overgeneralizing here but like give me a flubbed baseline that is like played with passion by somebody and i'll just take it any day and just like the spirit of the music just feels you know more real and more accessible and i guess it's like you know this is biased towards punk rock or, or like the kind of indie rock that I'm attracted to. But I think that the thing that as a kid growing up, like that I'm attracted to is just like, oh, cool, you're humans and I I'm a human and I have uh, a couple hundred bucks for a guitar and I don't know how to, I'm teaching myself how to do this by like listening to like <laughs> Green Day songs on the radio and trying to play along. But like, it's just humans trying to scratch at something that is bigger than them.
And I think that like to, to me, that's all music really is. It's just like humans have invented this uh, way to communicate and it's slightly bigger than what they are able to, uh, it, it's, an ex, it's a form of expression that is bigger than they are. Um, and so it's like a way to negotiate like the infinite or I don't even know what to call it, but now I'm getting my head on my ass, but whatever. I like like what you're saying. And we can, uh, I I have one more thing on all of that. You said, and we we can get back to the record, but a few months ago I was interviewing Jean Beauvoir and he produced a few Ramones records. And like now, like he'll go out and do live stuff and he'll, he'll compile. Like he does, he just kind of, he'll play festivals and stuff. So he doesn't have like a permanent band. But he'll go out there and get like hired guns and stuff. And he'll do like, like he co-wrote some Ramon songs and stuff. And we'll play Ramon songs live. And he said, you can go get these hired guns. You get, he's played with people from Berkeley and all these schools. They can play the craziest solos. They can play anything you show them. Have them try to play a Ramon song, just all downstroke power co- or try to play the way he goes. You can't do it. He's like, I've never been able to. It will blow your mind. They'll play the craziest solos. They'll do this and that. To play like Johnny or Dee Dee, they can't do it. For the life <laughs> you can, they can, they for hours, they've practiced everything. They can never be Johnny Ramone or Dee Dee Ramone or like, you can't be the Ramones. You can't just, there's that magic in there. You can't recreate it again. That's why you can't just have a hired gun who goes, oh, he's the same guy. Like, that's the same thing. No, no, it's, it's really... It's really not. And that blew my mind with him. He's just like, again, it's like I've played with world-renowned musicians who just can't play Blitzkrieg Bop. They just destroy it. It's it's just that's the funniest thing to me. But like a testament to what we're talking about. You can't take that. Part. I love this so much. <laughs> Our drummer went to Berkeley. <laughs> <laughs> and and I, I i love him he's he's a great drummer and he's he's good and he gets like punk rock stuff but like i i am always of the same thing it's like dude you can't teach punk rock like it is like it is in your heart it is in your gut it is like a visceral thing and i love I just love the idea of a bunch of like steely dan <laughs> type like session guys like just trying to play yeah sheen is a punk rocker and it's like what does it sound like shit <laughs> Can't, they can't do it for the life of them like they they cannot for the life of them get it get it down it's it's just i don't know if it's the oversimplification if it's just the i look at it as almost the soul of the music i go they, those guys weren't proficient they had to use so they had to use something inside to write those songs it wasn't because they were the greatest musician i mean i don't know we've already talked about it, like it's not because they're the greatest musicians it's because it was whatever was in them was very genuine and you can tell the way they're playing it's very genuine and what came out is just an amazing chemistry really maybe four people who couldn't write into you know what i mean who really maybe yeah. couldn't play alone but when you put them together and, it just works and it's singular like uh, so uh i mean blitzkrieg pop looms, looms large in the history of my music uh uh <laughs> because it, it was in my eighth grade talent show <laughs> uh, right. I, I i was in a band with some buddies and we that was what we did. We played Blitzkrieg Bop at the eighth grade talent show and it ruined my life because it was the, it was the greatest thing that's ever happened to me. <laughs> um, and you know, whatever, like we were just, you know, dudes who just decided like, hey, we can play this one. <laughs> and we played Blitzkrieg Bop. People are like, Oh cool. You guys are in a band. And like, I've never like really not been in a band aside from the the dark years that I, the dark couple months where I mentioned earlier. Um, and then I, there was a, a brief period of time uh, while I was uh, 
between tours with my other band, like, you know, late to or 2009, 10, 11, that I would go back to LA and I would teach, um, like, it's kind of like a school of rock. I was basically oh, yeah. Jack, Jack Black in school of rock. And I would go and like form, like, uh, like I was, it was through a company, but, uh, form bands at schools and like teach them a, a rock song. And then like, they would perform it at the end for like their parents or whatever. Nice. And like Blitzkrieg Bop was like, that was the one. And I remember there was this kid uh, who played, who like, we we're trying to figure out like, who's going to play what instrument, who's going to play drums, who's going to play bass. And there's this kid who like, I tried to put him on like a guitar, just couldn't do it. I tried to put him on like a uh, bass or he, like a little keyboard or even gave him a tambourine, couldn't do it. And then I sat him down at a drum kit and the dude just like immediately was just like, doo -doo, psh, doo -doo, psh, doo -doo, doo -doo. <laughs> it was like the greatest thing in the world. Like this kid just like had this like punk Ramones, like rhythm, like built into him. Nice. And have, like watching these kids do Blitzkrieg pop and like get into the Ramones. It was like the greatest thing in the world. Um, so yeah, I, I, I have a very soft spot for, uh, for all things <laughs> Ramones. I mean, I know, I know we've talked replacement a million times, but yeah, Ramones aren't too far off yeah. that list of, of best bands of all, of all time. But as, sure. uh, you know, let, let's get back into your music. We'll talk, we'll talk a little more about it. And I wanted, I was thinking about this because I know, I know you're talking about earlier, like how you, you had a while to sit with the record, you know, you had a few years to be working on it. Was there a lot of like, did you find yourself going back and toying around with that time? Did you find yourself going back to songs more, tweaking things, maybe even taking songs out, going back and forth going, you know, maybe the song should be on the record. Maybe the song shouldn't be on the record. Because that seems like the one downside of having that much time to sit with a record. Totally. Uh, all of the above. Like, like there are multiple <laughs> track lists that like, oh yeah, this is it. We're totally, this is the track list. Here it is. And then like, oh no, that's not the track list anymore. I mean, we went back and I, I would tweak lyrics. I would like live with like a lyric for like a bunch of mixes and be like, ah, yeah, that, I just can't, that's not the right sentiment. And I would go back and I would just, you know, I, I had this like great relationship with the producer uh, or I would send him <laughs> two in the morning text and be like, dude, can I come in tomorrow? Or like, can you squeeze me in uh, some night or whatever so I can come fix that lyric? <laughs> and he was like, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I get it. Uh, and so, yeah, I, it was a lot of tinkering. It was a lot of uh, tweaking with the what songs were on the record. We went back and re um, we recorded some, uh, actually that same producer moved studios like halfway through and then like had us come in and like record just like a demo uh to like test out his new studio space nice. and then like that song became like one of my favorite songs on the record <laughs> and it was just like the demo of like testing out the new studio space and that you know that was like a last minute addition to the record um yeah, I mean, there's uh, there's ten songs on the record, and like we recorded seventeen, and so between the seventeen songs that we recorded, there was a lot of moving stuff around. I was uh, gonna ask that if it was an album where like, yeah, we used every song we recorded. If it was one of those ones, like, yeah, we, you know, like you're you, you do, you know, like you said, seventeen songs or however many, and it's like, yeah, then it like gets whittled down. Yeah, I'm a big fan of like short. 10 song records i mean i say that but then like i love like <laughs> give me a guide of my voices record that is like 23 songs and i'm i'm down but like i i do for i think for it's almost like my add purposes like i need to know like all right here's a symmetrical 10 song record 
five a side five five on the b side of the record and like flip it and it's 10 songs got it like i i for my brain that's like the right amount of songs for me to like handle for my band my band disagreed and we got in a lot of like <laughs> headbutting about well it's okay if it's 11 or maybe we could do 13 songs or you know and i was like kind of hard line about it like dudes i really feel strongly i want 10 songs and like we could put out an ep of another one or we can save something else to you know release as an exclusive b-side or whatever kids do these days <laughs> um but yeah 10 song i'm a, I just, a good 10 song record is, is uh, i i gotta agree with you and it's funny because i feel like as a this is how i know i'm i'm maturing because like i'm 29 now and in my early 20s i'd see like a 10 track album i go oh man like why isn't it longer like what what's that like i wasn't with it i wasn't down i'm like i feel like they're shorting us like that's the bare minimum i'm like <laughs> 10 songs bare minimum like this band's giving and then it's like you start realizing there's some really perfect 10 track albums where it's like no it's like sure it gets to the point it a lot of times it cuts the fat out because when you do 13 songs there might be that one maybe 12 maybe all 13 are good but there's a good chance one or two there's some stinkaroos on there you might fast forward through when you're listening to whereas 10 songs yeah it really you almost can't mess around as much either because you're giving yourself less room you got to use the best songs you can't just go, oh, we'll throw this song over here. It's like, no, we only have 10. We got 10 slots. There's no putting this song. We're kind of like iffy on, you know, like, I, I don't know that that works more. And I, I didn't, I, I'm a more mature, older man now. <laughs> I now appreciate the 10 track album. I, I think for me, yeah, it's, it's something that has to do with memory. Like, I think that as I get older, my memory gets <laughs> crappier. Uh, but I, it's almost like, can you name what 10 songs are on Pinkerton or whatever. Like, like, and I can go through and be like, yeah, I remember like virtually like every song and I can tell you what the songs are in like that order. If you start adding more than 10, it you start to lose it. It's almost like, it's almost like the telephone number thing. Like there's a reason that telephone numbers are seven number <laughs> or like seven numbers long um, at an area code, you know, whatever, nine. But like human brains can't remember much beyond like, that and so as you get above uh, numbers that are like 10 11 12 like you're gonna start to forget what some forget stuff and i you know for songs i just don't like the idea of like having that forgettable song on the record like no. make them all memorable make them all count and it's it's sort of just like have faith in like like editing yourself i think sometimes like songwriters get very precious about like not wanting to like edit stuff or edit themselves but like, I don't know. I think part of editing is, is like writing, like, like what you omit from the record. It, it's tough to like have the audience judge what you omit because they don't know it. But like, that is part of the creative process. Like what is not on the record that you are saving for a B-side. You know? yeah. Now it sounds, it sounds like, cause I mean, I, we, we seem to be pretty mutual on this. I mean, are you a, like sequencing is big for me. I always talk to people about that. Like I've been telling people who don't always, like, I don't realize that, but like, it's so big to go like, this is the end of side A, this is the start of side B, like all that stuff. Like is sequencing a big thing for you? you seem That seems like something you care about like I do. And it's not everybody does. I'm I'm huge on it. Like I, I, uh, I obsess over it and, um, <laughs> I will think about, all right, well, this is how, this is how side A ends. And then somebody's gonna have to stand up and flip the record. And so like, uh, what is it like for them to stand up and flip the record? And then like when the record ends, it's just sort of like, 
uh, I want it to have like a, an emotional arc, I guess, or like a um, something that just feels uh, also just like kind of a balance between like emotions or things that the songs are trying to like convey. But yeah, as I would say sequencing is uh, one of my favorite things to nitpick and obsess over. And, uh, and I think that like five songs per side is like a great symmetrical like number <laughs> to like really uh, digest for, you know, the purposes of a A-side, B-side record. You can't drag on in that way. If, side, if you have a 13-song record and side A is like five tracks, side B is eight, again, there's more yeah. of that room for it to drag on or go, I, I don't yeah. hit fast forward button a couple times you know you do that yeah 10, 10. I, I feel like and our only obligation is to like in my opinion is to not be boring like uh i feel like most art and i guess some art is you know whatever people can actively want the art to like engage uh or be boring for people i i don't get that my, my thing with like tv movies songs it's just like don't be boring um and often that means like i have i want a leaner tighter thing and tom petty once said in the tom petty documentary like don't bore us get to the chorus <laughs> and i just like man. i'm like yes wise a wise man named tom petty <laughs> it's true there are albums are including intros there's songs where like just get i don't need a minute long including if you're not like i don't know some bands just don't like musically you don't have to be musically proficient but it's like maybe you shouldn't do that song that's just an instrumental or maybe you shouldn't do a two minute really long intro before you before there's any vocals like no know, know your uh i don't know know where you're at or no i don't want to say like know your place as an artist you should be able to like do some stuff like jump around and do a little but like still realize what you're known for and what people love about you at, le at least have the self-realization to know what you do well and know the reason why somebody bought your records in the first place kind of deal you know totally yeah like if you do want to have like a four minute drone on like before the the beat drops or whatever cool but just like yeah it's be like unapologetically intentional about like i'm doing that because i want to like this is what i want to convey with it like i think kind of knowing what emotion or what kind of feeling your song wants to convey like i think that's never a bad thing um and so yeah it i think that goes into the whatever i hate that using the word craft but like that sort of goes into the craft of songwriting is like knowing ultimately like what the emotional vibe of your song ends up being is it like a cathartic angry you know thing is it a celebratory fist in the air kind of uh punk rock thing i don't know um but yeah all it is is just capturing like as close as you can that emotion that you intended to capture i think you do a good job of that on in in near beer i think like listen from an outsider like listening to the record obviously you know, you yourself wrote him, you're looking at him differently from everybody else in the world who ever like listens to it. But like, it seems like you get what you do. What Like listening to it, it's like, oh yeah, like these guys know, they know their influences. They know what they like. They know what they do best. They know what set, what comes out when they all play together. And you kind of play on those strong points. I mean, like it's a, it's a great record and nothing like over, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't lean too far into one category. It kind of does again, like it kind of goes, in your influences and what you do well and like we keep talking about the filter thing then comes out through the near beer filter you know of all of all that stuff but 
again, there's that self-realize it, which obviously you have. I mean, we're, we're talking about all this stuff and you realize it yourself. But um, yeah, like that's what I think makes a good record to realize that and go, we're going to do like this 10 song album. So it's like, it's fun. Like we know we can do this. You know what you do as a guitar player. Like, you know, the, the other dudes, I'm sure they all knew what, know what they do as musicians and like, you know, work, work towards, don't, don't work against what you do really well. Work at, you know, go, go with that flow. If you do something really well, keep, keep like working that thing, you know, totally. don't, don't do some, uh, you know, crazy, uh, crazy wild things. But, um, you know, as we kind of like start closing out here, you know, for the, uh, you know, we're like at the halfway point of 2022. I mean, do you kind of know what's up with near beer for the rest of the year? You kind of in, in plans now of kind of figuring out what the uh, band's doing the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean, it's, a uh, we want to play more shows and tour more. Um, we have, we're doing like fest, uh, the nice. fest in Gainesville, which I'm stoked about, uh, but yeah, I, I would say that like it's it's been tough. Like I recently moved to New York, and the band is in LA for the most oh. part. Um, and so when we do get together, it's like, all right, well, let's make the most of getting together. And so at first, you know, we were just gonna do like a record release show, and then we were like, no, 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 we need to like make a little mini tour out of it. But you know, I think that we're gonna keep doing uh, keep touring as much as we possibly can. Uh, you know, with the limits of seven dollar uh, a gallon gas prices, um, but I don't know. It's we want to get the record out there, heard by people, um, and we also just feel very strongly that like we love the record as a thing, but we also like think that it's best experienced. Like, see us live, get the vibe of us as like a fun live band, and then like and enjoy the record for what it is as a document of a fun live band doing some other shit in the studio. Um, but yeah, I, I do want to keep on playing as many shows as possible uh, <laughs> within the confines of like the rest of our other live stuff. And, you know, we, we have other jobs and whatnot, whatnot but um, the band is still like the, is it truly a joy to be in? And so we just want to, do what we find the most joy doing you know what that it obviously sounds like the live show is uh like an important thing and everything i mean is that is that something you think of too like when you're recording the record or just near beer songs in general do you think of how they translate live because some bands do seem to act like you do seem these songs seem like they'd be fun live and it seems i don't know if intentional is the word but it seems like you kind of know that going in it's like oh shit this song's gonna be fun live this is one you'd want to hear live like is that a thing you're thinking about before doing the show? Are you thinking about that all when you're writing and recording these? Yeah, uh, I think I've been plagued in the past by like, um, I have for sure gotten like, I've clammed up in the studio before with like my old bands where like, I'll go record a song that like crushes live or just has like a great energy live. And then I'll like overthink it in the studio and be like, you know, give the like 70% vocal performance as opposed to like the 120% <laughs> vocal performance, just because I'm like, well, I'm in a studio and it's a more controlled thing. And I've definitely gotten in my own way in my in previous bands. And so part of the record for us was like, how do we just like, uh, keep the energy very high on the record, and like, make it so that like, you know, it is different than like, you hear this record and it's not exactly how we're going to play it live. And there's more guitar tracks than we would have normally live. Uh, although our LA show is a notable exception when we had nine guitar players on stage. Uh, 
but it is like sort of making peace with like let's let's just put all of the energy and intensity of the live performance onto this into a studio recording um without like getting too self-conscious in our heads because I, I and again this is a overcompensation for like having done that in the past and like realizing that people hear my old bands there was a, a couple of record or one record in particular where they hear it and they're like oh yeah I, lo I love that song I love it when you play it live but like the recording didn't quite capture the live thing and that's like you know I think a lot of bands struggle with that a lot of bands have an intensity live that is hard to like commit to tape <laughs> or commit to a <laughs> pro tool session um but i think that the best that you can uh you know try to capture some kind of that energy and put it onto like a set um, you know recording session that's that's kind of what our job is right <laughs> um so i don't know I, I i guess that's what uh that's something that i, I was a lot more conscious about like if this sounds tired or if this sounds like on our heels, then it's gonna it's gonna be like music molasses, man. Like it needs to like not feel like on our heels. And I'm I'm also like I'm an anxious guy. I'm like at the edge of my seat most of the time. And so the vibe of our band is never gonna be chill and on our heels. It's always gonna be like caffeinated and like uh <laughs> I like it. I like it. Again, it, it works. And in a second here, we'll uh, we'll play some songs off the uh, debut record for people to hear. But uh, where do we go now? You know, we, uh, we've we been talking about the new record. Where do we find your self-titled debut? Where do we find the band online? Like all that good stuff. Where do we where do we go keep in touch with Near Beer and grab the music and all that? Rad. Um, I mean, I think the, you know, I, I'm a fan of uh, records, <laughs> good old fashioned vinyl records. And so, yeah, I think that there's like access to like the records on, and I think our website is nearbeerla.com. Hold on, let me check that as I like okay. say that. I'm like, I sent everybody to the wrong wrong thing. <laughs> nearbeerla.com. Uh, yeah, that seems right. Yeah. <laughs> cool. cool. Yeah, go go there, and then I, I mean I'm pretty active on like the our Instagram. Like I, I'm I'm admittedly not great on Twitter, uh, but like our Instagram, like I, I'm pretty active on that. And if people have messaged me, I, I I try to like as a fan of other bands, I've always tried to like be in contact and like respond to people who like actually reach out to us. Um, but yeah, it's mostly through the band's Instagram, which is near near beer la. Uh, <laughs> just because there's like the actual near beer beer product which i think is now defunct uh we always have to attach uh la to the end of it to just uh, make it stand out <laughs> or else people are gonna go like to a defunct non-alcoholic beer which is not our band i promise you um so yeah nearbeerla.com uh, nearbeerla instagram those are the best ways uh to you know find us um if you want to buy our stuff it's wherever stream it whatever it's on all the streaming thingies. I'm a yeah. fan of Bandcamp. I'm also, I also will say like Bandcamp's been good to us. Uh, so people that want to use Bandcamp. Use I'll Bandcamp. make sure when I, when I put the link in the description, I always put Bandcamp if a band has it. So I'll, if you have, yeah, if it's on Bandcamp, I'll make sure that shit's in the description. If you're listening to the podcast, yeah. the radio show, 
don't go looking for a subscription or whatever the hell I just said. It's not there for <laughs> radio. But uh, anyway, no matter what you're listening to, we'll play a few songs on the uh, podcast, play a few songs on the radio show. We're going to start with the album opener. And again, this is off Near Beer's self-tale debut. This is Yelling at a Dog right here on the Power Chord Hour.
podcast that was near beer with mixtape generation and before that was near beer with the opener off their self-titled debut available everywhere now that was yelling at a dog all right i want to thank joey once again for uh doing that really really fun conversation i could talk to that dude forever and uh we're already talking about if if, uh, near beer ever comes playing around uh, the jamestown area if they uh, make their way to like buffalo or cleveland or something we uh, will probably be spending hours talking more and more music together. and uh, But I, I love that. I mean, I it, you can't ask for something better. Like when you go do an interview and you kick it off right away, like like just it, it works. You guys just mesh really well. Like you know, even before we started the interview, we were already talking about the replacements like three seconds in or whatever. Like just a really uh, – Really good time talking to him. I love uh, I love when that happens when uh, you have a guest on and the interview feels more like a conversation and a conversation that you know probably lasts almost an hour but you know could have lasted hours and hours and uh, sometimes they do on here as uh, you know if you listen long enough I'm sure you've heard the episodes where uh, they do in fact sometimes last hours and hours but uh again the new near beer record really good is out now everywhere on double helix record their self-titled debut so uh, go give them some love and uh, help support really they've been around for a couple years but you know this is kind of the uh you know in a lot of ways maybe not the beginning 
but like I, I guess in some ways it is and uh you know i'm sure they'd love if you checked out the uh first record but uh yeah it's gonna be this episode i want to thank you very much for uh checking it out and if you would follow us online we're at power Chord hour on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. You can hit me up, powercordhour at gmail.com. I have a bunch of Power Chord Hour stickers, and I'd love to send you some. So email me and uh, or even DM me once you follow us on, uh, on any of our socials. And uh, what else? Find us on YouTube. Maybe you're listening to us there right now. Shout out to you, but subscribe to our YouTube page. And uh, also rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. That is like, I mean, that helps the show so so much that is a, a really big way that to uh, help the show so i really do appreciate that don't forget we got new radio shows for you every friday night eight to midnight eastern on 107.9 wrfa in jamestown new york you can stream the station online at wrfalp.com and uh, baseball season is about over now so we're done with the uh, you know some weeks the uh Baseball game bleeds into our uh, sweet, sweet power court hour time, but uh, no more. The uh, The season is about done with, so uh, we're back to uh, doing 8 to midnight, uninterrupted four-hour shows. So uh, check out the radio show, 8 to midnight, 107.9 WRFA, every Friday night. Been going strong since uh, 2016, and uh, I believe that is everything. Make sure you tune back in next week. I'll be back with the uh, July rundown. I can't believe the month is already over, but... It's time to talk about that. And uh, my buddy Joey Cobra, who's been on many a time, shall be on in the uh, next couple weeks. So looking forward to that. But until then, for the Power Court Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.